And welcome back to the Lone Star Lowdown. It is November 17th, 2022. We've got a big week in the NFL, uh, Longhorn action on both the gridiron and the hardwood to discuss and preview. And, you know, just um, some general college football uh, is the season's winding down with a couple weeks left. We'll get, take a look at the top 25 polls and, uh, you know, talk about how the, we see the college football playoff um, filling out here at the end of the season. Uh, I'm Shea Holt here with Ty Henderson, um, Sally Corey Guidry, the third leg this three-man parlay is not in studio this evening but we are the lone star lowdown be sure to check us out on instagram at the lone star lowdown on twitter at lone star ld and on tiktok uh the lone star lowdown and make sure to check out all of our video content on youtube let's get right into it uh talking some gridiron gossip here nfl football talk uh, and i think we just need to go right into that uh, cowboys packers it was a 31-28 uh, victory for the Packers in overtime. Um, the Cowboys were up 14 points at one point. In the and, second half. In the second half and couldn't couldn't close it out. Uh, Ty, you know, um, it's, uh, I know it was a tough loss. Uh, huge because the Eagles also lost and that could have been, a, you know, closing the gap on the division lead. But just uh, what, what did you see? Um, you know, uh, from from that frigid ga- frigid game up in Green Bay. Well, you know, it was it was disappointing, but I, I, I sh- I'm not worried. You know, Aaron Rodgers will do Aaron Rodgers things to the Cowboys all week. I was saying that uh, that the Packers plus five probably a good bet. Excuse me, uh, playing in Lambeau, like you said, in the cold, uh, first first real cold game of the year for either team. Uh, Cowboys dome team, you know, you know how that usually goes. Southern dome teams going up to the north, uh, but you know Christian Watson, the guy that in he scored three touchdowns and in all season and even in that game has dropped balls. You know, it felt like they got a little lucky on that front. Uh, the defense, the Cowboys defense couldn't stop the run, which is it's something I'm a little worried about. But you know, if they're pounding the rock every single play and, and our offense can't move the ball. I, I see that being a, a huge problem down the line in the playoffs. But AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, uh, good running backs. We got some good playing, some more running good running backs coming up this week. Uh, Dalvin Cook. Um, what's what's how do you say that last guy? The, the backup on uh, the Vikings last name, Mateus Madison. Madison. Madison, yeah. Now some guys that can really deliver some blows, and after that, even you got you got Saquon Barkley again this year. You got to play the Eagles with that, you know ground and pound attack there in Philadelphia. Um, if we can sure that up, I, I'm still very confident in the Cowboys moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the Packers have a top five one-two punch and A.J. Uh, Dillon. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Um, you know, uh, Jones went for a buck 38 and a touchdown, and Dillon had 65 on 13 carries. So, I mean, you know, they, they ran the ball effectively in the cold weather. Obviously, um, Watson had the three touchdowns. Um, you know, kind of a flash in the pan style game. Do you, do you think Cowboys fans should be worried? Um, not totally. I mean, the Packers really needed to win that game. Uh, I mean, if they were three and seven right now, things would be, re- you know, they'd be as bad as everybody was acting like they were. I still think they are that bad. Oh, quite possibly. Like tonight, we can uh, like talk about tonight's game a little bit. They're playing Tennessee tonight, and they're favored at home. Another cold game in Lambeau. But that's a game against a 6-3 Titans team that has looked good without their starting quarterback the past two weeks. Almost beat the Chiefs. You, th- you would think that people are maybe hopping on this Aaron Rodgers Green Bay train a little too early. And, you know, it's, like you said before we started the podcast, the NFL is a week-to-week league, and these headlines and these li- gambling lines even are built off of what happened last week. So do you, do you think that's a uh, – do you think they should be favored going into this matchup against Tennessee? Uh, I'm, I'm not too upset with it. Uh, I haven't seen outside of just, uh, Derrick Henry being effective on the ground. Um, you know, the, the Titans were playing the chiefs. Well, we're winning games literally like with 50 yards passing from, uh, Malik Willis. Yeah. And like five um, completions and I mean, they lost that game, but it went to overtime, you know, exactly. You, you would, you would never have no, they were 14 point underdogs in that game. So, I mean, if I just look at Green Bay's schedule, uh, they were 3-1 and one to start the year um, with just an opening 
they lost in Minnesota, which obviously, you know, that's a quality team. They beat the Bears, um, the Bucks, and New England. And then uh, they went on that skid where they lost to the Giants, the Jets, both apparently really good teams. Um, the Commanders uh, in a close one at the Bills. And then the only really embarrassing loss was a uh, six-point loss in Detroit. Um, you know, so going back and looking at that sk- that that schedule so far, and they beat the Cowboys. Well, they looked terrible in that in that like four-game stretch before the I, Cowboys. I mean, they they a uh, ten-point loss at Buffalo, uh, a seventeen-point loss against the Jets. That one looked bad. Okay, the ten-point loss in Buffalo. They scored late. They were down seventeen. Yeah, but I'm, yes, uh, obviously every game's got its you know what yeah, actually happened. The score, you know, uh, you know. Touchdowns at the end of ball games and whatnot, um, but like that was a that five game losing streak is terrible. But I don't feel like looking back on it, um, it it's detrimental uh, considering you know they're four and six now. Um, they've got some tough games coming up. I mean, yes, Tennessee this week, in Philly next week, in Chicago the next week. So it's not going to be easy, but. You know, these narratives the NFL's been um, working on as far as Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are concerned of these old men of the sea, like like this process of phasing them out and, um, you know, really elevating the Josh Allens and Patrick Mahomes of the world into those Brady, Manning, Rodgers statuses. Um, you know, I think that the, the narratives have been woven to encourage that and that maybe, you know, just because those quarterbacks had rough starts this season, doesn't necessarily mean they're dead in the water or because they maybe lack um you know top flight receivers in aaron Rodgers' case uh you know i think those guys have been good in the league for a long time um i know it looked bad this season i'm not ready to count them out uh that's really all i'm saying and yeah you know a prime time game aaron Rodgers getting it done against the cowboys at home um you know i think it could spark a little something and you know play on the quick week uh against the tennessee team that i don't have total faith in um, they get a win this week, and you know, then you're starting jockeying for uh, you know that third wild card. And you know, as long as you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Um, you know, Brady, you know, not really to talk about the Bucks. He looks like he's going to the playoffs just by virtue of his division being terrible and somebody having to go. And yeah, um, there's three wild cards now. Uh, obviously, I think the NFC East will get a couple of them, but I think that last one's up for grabs in the NFC with. Um, a lot of teams at the top, but not San a lot of middle Francisco, of the squads. Green Bay. Um, I mean, the Cowboys and the, the Giants. Seahawks. What the, the Seahawks, Seahawks are going to outlast all of them? I mean, I mean, the Seahawks are they're they're in the lead in that division. Of course, yeah. And, and no, so I mean, Geno have, they, Smith. They is, really just have to outlast the 49ers there. Yeah, and I think the 49. I, I think there's a better chance of catching the Seahawks than there is outlasting the Niners. I think the Niners are going to be good. They had a great win um, on Sunday Night Football. Um, I believe that game was in in San Francisco against the Chargers. They won 22-16. We uh, we saw a full display of all the weapons and you know everybody Jimmy G was healthy. Really, Jimmy G didn't really look good in that game though. I, I think that's still going to be the the biggest catalyst for if they're going to, you know, be an actual Super Bowl contender this year is can Jimmy G play well in the big moment, in the big games? Because it really seems like when he is playing well, well for or good for him is not making mistakes and not going out of your way, making big plays like some of these other guys. It's really at this point, it's like, can you not throw the big interception and can you throw six, have a 65% completion percentage? Yeah, that's I, the winning formula for him. I saw a stat, and I don't think I'm exactly right when he's requoted numbers, but it was like Jimmy Garoppolo is 12 and two in game, or the Niners are 12 and two when Garoppolo starts but doesn't throw a touchdown pass. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean that. Yeah, I, that's kind of a a weird stat because that usually means you're doing something else really well, or you're not doing anything well. I guess in that with a team like San Francisco that loves running the ball. It's like, hey, oh, you can't stop the run? Well, we're literally not going to throw it with our quarterback because we know our quarterback has the ability to throw a pick six and get get the other team right back in the game. Yeah, like the idea that we don't have to throw the ball dictates... Make, make us throw the ball. Yeah, dictates that we, oh, yeah, we didn't want to throw the ball. We had our way anyway. Had that not been the case, then, yeah, we probably would have had a passing touchdown. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, man, so the Cowboys-Packers game, you know, um, it was definitely... Uh, 
tough to watch as a Cowboys fan, I'm sure. Um, they just, I don't feel like the Cowboys did anything necessarily wrong. I think they would have benefited from having uh, Ezekiel Elliott in the game. Dak but, looked pretty bad. Yeah, and uh, the what did you think about the uh, the overtime not taking the field goal? Um, well, it was clear that there was pass interference in the play before on C.D. Lamb. Um, I think Mike McCarthy made an emotional decision to go for it there because he was pissed off that there was a, not a call <clears throat> on Jair Alexander. Excuse me. Um, and another factor could be that in pregame warmups and throughout the game, Brett Maher was not able, both kickers were not able to put the real oomph on the ball that they usually do. I think it's had to do with the winds in Green Bay and maybe it being a little bit colder. But Brett Maher, I think it was like 98% on kick, kick or touchbacks on the year and not one that, in that game. I don't know if that was strategy, but it didn't look like it. So that would have been like a 53 yard field goal. You know, it, it wasn't a automatic. Uh, make and maybe McCarthy had the Cowboys minus five like I did and wanted to win by six and just, you know end it right there Aaron Rodgers was hot um, didn't trust the the defense to, to stop a guy who had you know come back 14 down in the second half and I'm not even so sure if it was about like getting the touchdown there or if it was just a very long field goal in the cold in the cold um, and you know if you missed that field goal then you really handicapped your team yeah um but no, yeah, I, I don't think it was a bad decision. Yeah, I mean, it was a. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was an emotional one, like I said. Yeah, uh, NFL overtimes they go so fast now. They're so much, you know, they're played so differently. The rules have just changed so much in the sense that, you know, there's no more of that going down and just kicking a field goal and winning the fucking game and all the, you know, everything about the game about the overtime rules um, really discourages kicking a field goal on that first attempt because. You know, uh, I've seen games where by the time the, you know, during the second possession of overtime, the clock's clock's gone. Yeah. Yeah, And, you know, it's only 10 minutes. And at that point, that team can't even take a field goal because, I mean, you you know, tie. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Outside of just, you know, uh, locking up playoff position, you know, playing for a tie is a very, it's just a hard thing to do as a coach. Um, It's not going to, it's not going to entice your fans um, that you settled for the tie rather than going for the win. Um, it would be viewed as a loss, I feel like, uh, in a lot of people's eyes. It's like kissing your sister, Shay. If you say so. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, the Cowboys, um, got, you know, just generally the defense, um, you know, let up a little bit. Aaron Rodgers just got to him in the second half, was able to produce points. Um, you know, uh, I don't think it was detrimental i just think it's a learning game and uh yeah you're right D- dak didn't play incredibly well and um and you know just everything about it uh aaron Rodgers does seem to have a little bit of magic when he plays the cowboys um so let's look forward to the minnesota vikings uh the cowboys are going back on the road back up north playing the black and blue division again it's going to be a 325 kick uh this sunday and minnesota before i guess we go into the cowboys minnesota game let's just briefly recap that Vikings Bills 33 to 30 overtime victory for the Vikings might be the game of the year thought it was myself um, again another comeback I think it was like 17 points at one point Dalvin Cook rattles off an 80 yard touchdown Patrick Peterson picks off a ball in the end zone had two picks in the game well yeah he also iced it at the end but he picked the ball off in the end zone that would have just made it you know would have made it forget about the game and then, um, obviously, there was the big drive with the Justin Jefferson catch. That drive actually didn't even yield any points as they were stood up on the goal line. Josh Allen fumbled the ball away for a touchdown, you know, in his own end zone. Uh, they get a field goal. They go to overtime. And then, you know, Minnesota gets a field goal. And there's another Patrick Peterson red zone, end zone. To Josh Allen trying to force it when he could have taken a field goal. Uh, you know, it felt like at the end of that game, Josh Allen was – doing just about everything he could to put his team in position to win, almost doing too much. Uh, you know, he's mowing over guys. He's got a hurt arm. I'm like, what is this guy doing? He, I mean, he's obviously probably a top three competitor in the league, but league at the quarterback position, you know, just cares that much, uh, willing to sacrifice his body. But the dude, he, he's young. He, he's kind of has – I think this is what, what Quinn Ewers does sometimes. You know, you, you have all this arm talent and you – you convince yourself that you can make any throw when you really can't. And that's what I saw on that last pick. He, I mean, he threw it into, he threw it straight to Patrick Pierce and he was sitting right under that route. Um, 
picked them off, kneeled it, game over. What, they, they won by what? A field goal? Uh, yeah, 33-30. Um, yeah, it was a great game. Honestly, I probably should have been paying more attention, but I was getting ready for that Cowboys game. So I, 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 I kept on walking out and walking back in and being like, what the hell is going on? I walked right in when that, that fumbled snap happened, and, and I, I, I thought it was over at that point. Josh Allen went down and got a field goal to take it to overtime. Oh, yeah. Well, funny thing enough, they took the Vikings' bills off TV yeah. to play the Cowboys <laughs> game. Did. I streamed the end of the game because, you know, at that point, so much crazy shit had already happened. Yeah. I mean, that, they have to do it. They, like, can, well, yeah, it was it was America's Game of the Week. And even though that, like, it wasn't like they beamed you in to Vikings' bills. They played that whole fucking game on TV because it was a huge matchup. And then just... You know, it just lasted too long, and they had to take it off TV. But I streamed it and, you know, saw the overtime period. Um, some quick stats. Uh, Josh Allen, four red zone uh, interceptions in the last two weeks. Um, I think he had one prior to that, uh, at least all year, maybe in his whole career. Um, and now Josh Allen, uh, you know, once a prominent MVP candidate, is now leading the league in interceptions with 10. Yeah, he had 17 last year. Yep. And, uh, well, he's, yeah, he's kind of like that. It's like Brett Favre, you know. He's going to take those risks, and you're going to get those big plays, but you're also going to get the negative plays and, and the interceptions and fumbles. Exactly. Um, and, oh, yeah, one more thing. Uh, Tom Brady, you know how many picks he has? Two. Two on the fucking year. How? The, he's throwing the ball like 60 times a game. And he's also second in passing yardage, right behind Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't throw as nearly as many touchdowns as he usually does. He's only throwing 12 touchdowns. That's that's the thing. But, you know, people who want to act like he's just out there, old man, floundering. What's his, what's his completion percentage, though? Uh, well, I'll have to, I'll it's have gotta, to look it, that I, one I guarantee you, it's, whatever it is, it's got to be close to his career low. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, we'll have to look. I can tell you that, uh, you know, this regular season, 66 which is career is 64.2. Really? What? That's yeah. crazy, dude. That's yeah. crazy. He's got a 91.9 rating. I don't know if it's a QBR or what. But anyway, um, so yeah, now let's go into maybe Cowboys Minnesota um, before, uh, you know, as a bit of a preview. Um, do you see the, you know, 8-1 and one Minnesota Vikings, you know, possibly the hottest team in the NFL with the Eagles losing last week? Um, do you see them defending uh, home field against the Cowboys? Or do you see the Cowboys coming off a tough loss on the road, going back at it and, you know, securing the win? This time, obviously, in a domed stadium. Uh, well, they are 5-1 and one in their last six matchups against the, the Vikings. You know, we seem to have their number. Obviously, personnel is different every year, but that, that is something I do look at. Um, last year, beat them with Cooper Cup as a starting quarterback. Uh, this is Kirk Cousins. I know he's been playing well. He... I think Cooper Cup. Well, Kurt Cooper Cup beat the Vikings last year on the Cowboys. Oh, Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, 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 all good, all good. I was just, yeah, I'm, I'm, tired. I'm tired. My bad. Um, yeah, Cooper Rush. That was his first little start last year. One and zero. Beat the Vikings in prime time. This week, you know that the Vikings coming off that emotional win in Buffalo. I think. They might be a little drained, might maybe looking past the Cowboys. Actually, no, no one ever looks past the Cowboys or the Cowboys. It's like playing Texas. You know, you know, you're going to be on TV. You know, you know, uh, you're going to get a lot of attention after the game, before the game. So I expect the Cowboys to go in there, run the shit out of the ball, because that's what we should have done against Green Bay. I'm, I'm t- I hate how the, the playbook completely changed uh, from what was working with Cooper Rush because we Kellen Moore felt limited by having Cooper Rush felt like he needed to run the ball more, control the game clock. And then as soon as Dak comes back, we're throwing these – we're doing the text the Sark offense where we're throwing bombs on first down, getting behind the chains, getting penalties, not controlling the time of possession. Um, I've loved what I've seen from Pollard, but I'd really, I'd really like to see – if Zeke and Pollard are playing and Malik Davis, I'd still like to see him get a few carries, the third-string guy at a Florida rookie – I want 40 carries between the three. Like, let's we'll pound the rock. You know, you know they're going to. Minnesota's going to try to do it with Dalvin Cook. But you got to control the game clock, limit mistakes, and give the defense a chance to rest. Yeah, I, um, you know, all those things I think are uh, the natural traits of a winning football team. 
Uh, I think if the Cowboys can execute on all those levels and uh, win the battle of turno- you know, turnover battle, uh, I think they have a good chance of winning this ball game. Um, and, you know, just making uh, – I know there's a lot of weapons uh, for Minnesota. We saw Hawkinson getting involved in the offense in that Bills game. Uh, you know, obviously Adam Thielen still got a lot left in the tank. Um, and, of course, Justin Jefferson, uh, who a lot of people are – uh, debating as possibly being the best wide receiver in football. I know he had an incredible catch and a career day. I think it was about 190 yards. Most uh, most hun- most 100-yard games through the first three years of his career. I think he has 20. And, and Randy Moss, number two. And he's the, I, I believe he's the leading receiver in the NFL since he came into the league. No, he's got to be. Yeah, like just, I think that's imagine, just total I yardage. Mean, Kirk Cousins has looked good, but imagine giving Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes a guy like that. Imagine if the Chiefs had anyone close to a Justin Jefferson in their receiving core. I mean, they had Tyreek Hill, but a guy that goes beyond just being fast and be able to do stuff with the ball in his hands. Justin Jefferson has every every trait you're looking for in a number one receiver. He's big, uh, he's fast, runs clean routes, uh, he's smart. He, he knows when to when they're running those option routes, what what's open. I, it's just it's incredible to think the things he can do on a football field. And, uh, you know, I think he's a great player, too. Uh, I think there are some other receivers, um, you know, who I'm not – I can't definitively say – Oh, I just can't definitively say he's better than Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams or, you know. I think uh, he is. I, I just, mean, I, I think both – I think Devontae Adams is closer on a pure skill level. I think Tyreek Hill is just the best athlete and, and like, or at least the best track runner in, in the NFL. Just get the ball in his hands and he'll make it happen. But I don't think Tyreek Hill runs better routes than Jamar Jefferson. I don't think I'd rather throw up a fade to Tyreek Hill over Jamar Jefferson. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know I'm not sitting here saying he's he's definitely cemented his himself as like a top three guy. I think I think he's entered that conversation. I'm just um, you know I'm always a bit hesitant to like anoint these guys. Um, as you know coming off a hot game well i mean yeah there's no it's it's always going to be debate yeah i just don't think he's head and shoulders it's above like lebron james versus michael jordan you know you can always convince yourself you're right for sure I, and 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 justin jefferson is clearly on the path and you know if if you if we were doing the draft one today i would take justin jefferson probably over all the other receivers because of his age yeah. Um, well, I think he was like the fourth receiver to go in the first round of that draft. Oh, yeah. Like uh, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, uh, the guy who went to the Eagles, Rager. Yeah, Jalen Rager from yeah. TCU. Um, yeah, he went a pick before Justin Jefferson. The Eagles had a chance to get Justin Jefferson, I think. It was. It was. It came full circle when they uh, the Vi- the Vikings got Jalen Rager. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's yeah. Funny. There was a lot of uh, internet trolling. Twitter trolling, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, you know, I think uh, I think the Cowboys might need this victory more than Minnesota does. Minnesota's sitting pretty at eight and one. Uh, I know they would love to um, win, you know, get the home field advantage, but they're going to be behind the eight ball, having that loss to Philadelphia, and um, yeah, very emotional win. And also, I'm just going to go ahead and say it: I don't know how good the, that Bills secondary is, um, especially missing Jordan Poyer. Yeah, like I just, you know, I know he had a, I know Justin Jefferson had a big game and they came back, but uh, I just got to think maybe they, you know, maybe they feasted on a, uh, a banged up defense. Um, though I will say that uh, they, the Bills have that, uh, that front with Vaughn Miller and company uh, over. to get after. Yeah, he had, a, he had a big sack in that game to get after the quarterback and close out games uh, just as long as, yeah, um, you know, there aren't weapons like Justin Jefferson running out there in the secondary that are, gonna find you know gonna catch balls that maybe they shouldn't um so yeah i think the cowboys are gonna are are gonna win this game uh based on yes needing it more and um you know just coming off of last week both team situations uh and you know i know it's not sunday night or monday night football but uh it is america's game of the week Uh, a lot of people will be watching the minnesota vikings and we all know Kirk cousins doesn't play his best ball when all eyes are on him yeah, so if you had to pick, what? so this, this is the last NFL game we're, we're looking yeah. at right, for the 40-acre dash. Yeah. What's your prediction for that game? Oh, uh, well, I think I think the Cowboys will win maybe a, a one-score ball game. Um, 
you know, maybe give me uh, 24-21 um, Cowboys. Uh, again, I just I just think that they can't afford to uh, to take a fourth loss, and Minnesota can afford to take a second one uh, based on their respective positions in the NFC and within their individual divisions. All right, I like it. All right, so let's get into the 40-acre dash. It was a rough weekend for the Longhorns. Um, took a loss at home 17-10 to 10 against TCU. The only score for the Longhorns was a late defensive touchdown on a botched fumble by Max Duggan. Shea, you were, we both were at this game. It was cold. Um, I never really felt the energy in the building like I did for that Alabama game. Uh, what, what was your biggest takeaway from being there in the, in the stadium? Well, um, yeah, obviously a very flat day um, offensively. Uh, a lot more of the same problems of throwing on first down, which, you know, not not just doing on first down. You can throw on first down very successfully. Throwing deep on first down, low percentage balls that inevitably set you up with second and longs and, and just kind of undermine the whole offense. Um, you know, people are going to say Bijan didn't get the ball enough. Bijan had nowhere to run. The, uh, the Texas... You know, Texas Christian's defense came to play. Um, there was nothing as far as the running the ball went. I think we had less than 50 yards. Um, uh, Texas defense, I thought, played out- outstanding. Uh, I mean, we we had to have, like, five to six sacks in that ball game. We got after Duggan. We didn't really let him do much in the passing game. There was, I think, one big one big play to that uh, receiver. That's, you know, number one. That's uh, going in the draft, supposedly. Um, you know, I, I heard him compared to Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Uh, he, he he wasn't quite that, but I know he was a bit banged up. Quentin Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I thought the Longhorns played really good along the perimeter, not letting anything uh, bounce outside. Uh, but when TCU finally, you know, in the second half, uh, started running the ball between the tackles, it uh, it wore down. Um, it wore down the Texas defense, and uh, they they had a lot of um, a lot of success. I mean, you can you can only stop them for so long. With like and having to bail out the offense time and time again, exactly, and, and holding the special teams and holding a number four team to set you know seventeen points total. Yeah, if you would have told me is before the game we hold TCU to seventeen points, I I'm going to tell you that's a win. It. You got to take it. I mean, obviously the keys that flipped the game were the seventy-five yard touchdown by Miller. Obviously, like you know, just like in the Alabama game, a back-breaking touchdown on the ground like that. Uh, where uh, who's twenty eight Thompson? Yeah, Jaron Thompson. Yeah, he just took a bad angle on that on that play, and um, you know, obviously being the safety last line of defense, can't do that. And then um, the punt, uh, the roughing the punter, not the uh, running into earlier in the game. Uh, but the fact that you got penalized, and really that that first call could have easily been roughing the punter. They yeah. bail you out on that one, and you that TCU would. They, there's a reason why they, there was a free line of the punter. They they wanted that to happen. Devarion Overshawn didn't even touch the punter on the second with the roughing the punter. He just didn't give him a place to run or land. Sorry, and that I mean that's part of the penalty. You have to give them a place to land, and the punter sold it. You, yeah. you know they were coaching that up on the sidelines. Like if he gets anywhere close to you, fall your ass, fall on your ass, and, and sell it. Yeah, in, did. in that situation where we were going to get the ball back, obviously we hadn't done anything offensively. I understand like how big of a block punt, how big a block punt would have been right there, but ultimately we, you know, time wasn't a huge issue. Obviously it was an issue, but you know, they could have just gotten the ball safely and ran the offense and had one more chance. Yeah, um, it's just another thing that fucked up the flow of the game. Exactly. So uh, I think those were the two uh, moments that you know really hurt us. Obviously the uh, the um, the the touchdown they threw for where there was just a broken coverage and that def- was what happened on it. Like I I haven't rewatched the game on TV, but that had to be miscommunication. But there was a guy running with him, and he almost appeared to just like stop and run the opposite uh, so, way. Yeah. And there had to be a missed assignment uh, on who you know was I guess the over the top coverage man. Um, it was an embarrassing. It was an embarrassing blown coverage for sure, um, on, and obviously Texas didn't get a ball in the end zone. Um, I thought uh, when they took when they settled for that field goal, I thought they should have gone for it and got for the half. Yeah, um, the field goal we just we just barely eked out. Um, you know, I, I the way the, what I thought about that was um, 
there was a good possibility we'd never get that close again. Uh, you know, getting down to the two. Um, yeah. And like you had, you know, if you well, take- we know we didn't run the ball once on the goal line. Uh, I think we ran it on the first down. I don't think so. You'd have to go back and look. I, you know, I uh, three, no, three straight passes. I think we, I think Bijan got stood up on the first down, well, and off, then there were a couple <laughs> jump balls. Was that the same drive where he completely? Sorry, we got something in my throat. Um, he completely missed Bijan on that wheel route where the defender fell down, and he threw it to Javion Sanders, and the whole stadium was like, oh, like it just it looked like the whole stadium saw Bijan wide open on that that wheel route, and he just. Dumped it down, you know, Javion. No, that wasn't the same. That was the thing in the second half because they were going the other way. But you know, like how I just, like in the stadium, I just like, hey, it's it's okay. He would have overthrown him anyway. <laughs> you know, like I just. Well, dude, I had a guy behind me that was hammered and would notch every single play. It was like Hudson Card would have made that throw. I was like, did we watch the same Hudson Card? That's another. Like we can talk about that for a second. Do you think Hudson Card should have came in in that game? Um, uh, no, because. Um, uh, it wasn't a like if it had been two scores for like a majority of the game, or if it had been any worse than like ten to zero, ten to three, or if Quinn threw another like he threw that early pick, but exactly like like when all you really need is one touchdown drive, and you really just need the offense to work that one time, uh, for most of the game for things to be all right. Um, I think that you know messing around with Hudson Card, um, who you know uh. He played all right in uh, in his time this year. Um, I know. I know he had the miraculous like end of game drive against Texas Tech, and uh, you know he didn't play terribly against Alabama. Um, but I mean, Hudson Card is just like is is much more frustrating to watch than Quinn Ewers has yeah, been. Talk recently. about underthrowing balls. Yeah, like it's you like, know right now the issue with most Texas fans is Quinn overthrowing Xavier Worthy on a lot of the, obviously the pick was underthrown in double cut. That was a terrible ball. But do do we not remember last year when Xavier Worthy would be wide open and he'd get underthrown by five yards and it does give the defense an opportunity to pick off the ball? Yeah. That's a lot worse than an overthrow, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just it's just me like Again, yeah, having watched uh, a lot of Hudson Card from both high school and you know a season at UT now and early on, and just and just not not being what it is. Um, but anyway, let's uh, maybe transition to this uh, road game we got coming up against Kansas. Uh, you know, I think we've said enough about a disappointing loss. Uh, good, you know. There's only so much you can say. Exactly. About a game like that. It was a chance to control your own destiny going forward in the Big 12. Now you need some help. Uh, and the sad thing is, you know, there's still a pretty decent chance the Horns can slip in <laughs> yeah. and you know play TCU again in the in the uh, Big 12 championship game. Uh, so we'll hope for that. And again, just winning all your games going forward is all you can do. Um, you know, people. People want to run before they can walk with this Texas football team. And, uh, you know, going into Kansas, uh, this will be, what, the third real road game of the season uh, between, um, what, uh, Texas Tech. Um, Kansas State. Uh, K- oh, Oklahoma State. So this is the fourth uh, big road test of the year, uh, I guess. Yeah, man, if we, if we don't beat Kansas by at least two touchdowns, there's something wrong. There's something seriously wrong. I realize this is a Kansas team that's beat us twice in the past five years, but it's they're not. They're, they, I realize they have some. They have a good running back, Neil. They playing with a backup quarterback who can run the ball, which we've handled running quarterbacks pretty well this year, which is usually not the case for Texas defenses. But they're the Kansas defense is terrible. Um, we Bijan should have the game of his life against these guys if. If we can't go up to Lawrence and win by two touchdowns, I don't even know. I'm, I'm reconsidering my fandom. I've been saying it all all week up until this point. Don't lose to Kansas. Like, you can lose to Baylor, whatever. Like, this season's wash. I realize we still have a chance in the Big 12 championship. But you can't lose back-to-back games, and you can't lose to Kansas in two straight years. I, I say, if we lose this game, fire start. I don't care who, what recruits you got. Beat fucking Kansas. Or let's go hire Hank. Kansas coach. If Kansas can beat us two years in a row, let's go get Lance Leopold. Yeah, I uh, definitely think it's a must-win game um, for both Big 12 aspirations and just in general uh, 
you can't you know, lose. Conscious of the fan base, uh, losing to Kansas. Um, you know, that did Charlie Strong in. Um, it was a huge blow last year in what was a really good game. A shootout, a 21-point comeback. Uh, you know, it had all the hallmarks of a great game, just Texas losing at the end on a two-point conversion. But is it a great game when it's against Kansas? When you well, no. I mean, not from, like, like, not from the standpoint of I don't ever want to see a good game. Uh, you know, like that. Okay, even I want total, total decisive victory in every sense. I'm talking from, you know, an outside perspective, what a good game is. And, yeah, that is a good game. You it know? Is, uh, yeah. I, yeah. But, I, get, uh, I, get, I get you on that. But, yeah, uh, a decisive victory uh, this week. And then, you know, going into a uh, Friday morning affair against Baylor, uh, trying to cap both these games off, I think is huge. Um, you know, that would get us to eight and four. If I'm not mistaken, yes. um, that would, you know, I think no matter what anybody was talking about going into the year, I think eight and four from five and seven is a significant improvement. But I'm also not just going to sit here and say we're eight and four. We are six and four and we have to win the next two games to yeah, get there. And, and if you lose these next two games, a six and six compared to a five and seven is, is not is not doing it for me you know that's not the kind of improvement i want to see no and you know outside of a uh outside of a really close uh loss to alabama that i know everybody feels really good about um you know to a team that you know and that alabama team but you know let's be honest they were in the national championship last year but they've played some close football um it's not lost. the same alabama team exactly especially defensively exactly and uh yeah, you know, still, still a quality, a quality loss, uh, and then just a decisive victory against Oklahoma. Right now, that's really all of this season. Kansas State. Yeah, you know, getting a win over Kansas State, but it's not like we hadn't beat them six years in a row now. You know, Kansas State has not been the problem recently. Obviously, you can never overlook them, but um, it's a good Kansas State team, though. It, uh, that 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 was in my book. I realized we were playing. They probably should have played Will Howard in that game. They're back up. Yeah, and I mean, for that matter, Iowa State. Like, we've tr had trouble with them, you know, getting that win. All the, all the wins are quality wins. It's just, uh, you know, what this season means. Yeah, we need a couple wins. Uh, if we could make it to the Big 12 Championship, obviously that'd be great. I think just getting to the eight wins would um, be enough. We would probably get another Alamo Bowl. And, you know, we could just... We could yeah, just if, you win, if we win these last two games in a bowl game like the Alamo Bowl, nine and four... You know, probably see a Pac-12 team sure. like like, uh, like Utah. Dude, if we played USC, it could. I mean, be, that'd be cool. I mean, that if if we can get to eight and four and then play, beat a quality opponent in the bowl game, I, I feel pretty good about this season. I mean, I, I like y'all. You know this. I go into every season expecting to win a national championship. I feel like every Texas fan should be like that. It's the only way we're ever gonna be. The fans are just as smart as big of a part of the team as the players are in my opinion you know you got to have the atmosphere and you got to everyone's got to be bought in from the guy at the top of the nosebleeds to the head coach you know you got to be all on the same page yeah and um going back to that i know you kind of asked me um when we started uh we started the 40 acre dash kind of like the environment of the game and yeah it was cold and there were a lot of tcu fans there there were i was surrounded um, by them and uh you know the speakers like like here's what i noticed i noticed at the end of the ball like the whole game the speakers being like uh off off tune with the band like all the way up until the eyes of texas the eyes of texas on the speakers were like they were playing the eyes of texas while the band was playing the eyes of texas like separately and it sounded all fucked up and um uh, like i heard zero texas fight chants zero you know um none of our you know just the stuff that you used to hear the no the I, I i think i think there was something messed up because chris del conte uh you know you, yeah. you didn't hear any of that uh, shit chris chris del conte addressed some fans on twitter because you know i don't know if you know this but he's very oh he's involved. very active you know he'll if you call him out on twitter he'll probably have a good chance he responds to you and a lot of people hit him up being like what's the deal with the speakers sound like shit and he was like i hadn't heard anything but we'll definitely look at it going in. i've heard it from enough people to where we'll look at it going in next week and but that's stuff we should have figured out exactly week 10 into the season and it's just i think trying to do a little too much like i don't think that you know people really want all the pomp and circumstance and all the rap music and all the shit like sure some of the kids like that the i get players like, like it's it, you got to have a I, I don't have a problem with all that because you have to have a, a mix of someone's gonna be pissed off no matter what you're playing yeah but if the crowd was just like 
into like the chants and like you know yeah, like doing no, their I things. I agree. Like I know I understand there are like gonna be thirty-three minute commercial breaks in a football game that you have to like, you know, MC your way through with advertisements and you know, um, rap tunes. Like I get that there's there's got to be a bit of a give and take, but like when the game's on. I just, uh, and like when you're in like live game, you know, the clock's either running or it's at a stoppage. I just feel like, yeah, it could always be the band. It could always be crowd shit. You know, it, uh, it could be more than it is. And, um, you know, uh, that's not why we lost, but yeah, we did not, the, the, the crowd definitely didn't have the same intensity. I don't know if it was the cold or because the game was at 6.30 versus 11 a.m. when Alabama came, but that was the biggest game you of the year. You would assume the night game would be you would more think. hype. You would think, uh, but that was the biggest game of the year. I know Alabama had, you know, all the rich people showed out for the Alabama game, but, you know, TCU, I mean, hey, like, that's a rich school. Like, I can't, you know. You would want like everybody. Everybody who's anybody should have been in the stadium that day, acting like it was everything it could have been. And Texas hasn't beaten a top five team at home uh, since what 1999, something like that. Uh, some you know 20 plus years, um, and they certainly hadn't done it this year. And they've had two opportunities. So you know, I'm not even sure if I've ever seen a top five team come into Austin like that. I know uh, West Virginia was ranked pretty high when they first entered well, the Big Alabama. Twelve. Well, yes, what I mean, like until this year, oh, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a top five team even come in. Nebraska in what ninety nine? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, I'm not even sure who I'm talking. About. I just know it hadn't happened. I think it was Nebraska, probably when they first started coming in the Big Twelve. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, the year before McAvick got fired, they beat Nebraska at home. I mean, in all fairness, okay, yeah, in all fairness, like that LSU team that came, I don't think they were ranked that high at the time, but obviously they ended up being the national champion. That was the closest game they played all year. Exactly. Uh, well, anyway, man, yeah, I uh, I feel good about the Kansas game. Uh, I feel like it's a must win. Um, I feel like we'll run the ball well. I don't think they're very good at, uh, defensively. And, um, yeah, you know, give me the horns. Um, uh, give me the horns by uh, 13. Give me the horns by 21. Uh, you want to talk a little Texas hoops? Big game last night? Yeah, man. Um, it was a big game. It was like the really the – I know there had been a couple uh, – there had been a charity game against Arkansas and then a uh, – a UTEP and a uh, a Houston Houston Christian. They're no longer Houston Baptist. But this this uh, Gonzaga game really was the christening of the Moody Center. It's what everybody was waiting for. Um, you know, it was several did years. You go? I did not. It was several years in the making. Um, you know, you know, I, I, Chris Beard, the stadium, the Gonzaga series. You know, this is pretty much the only big game of the year. Oh, we no. have we have Creighton. There's, there's a, are those games here or are those yeah. games in New York? I'm pretty sure we have Creighton at home. Okay. There's a few. There's like two or three more, like pretty big, home matchups. Okay. Well, and then of course, uh, Big Twelve play. You know, every game. Well, yeah, yeah. Those, I, I just, I, yeah, exactly. But like, you know how like the big schools always are playing like, dude, Gonzaga's playing like. I mean, they have to because they're they're in the West Coast Conference and they win every game in their conference every year, besides maybe a St. Mary's from here and here and again. But Gonzaga's playing; they play like every top twenty-five team in their non-conference. It feels like. Exactly. They they really stack the books on on that non-conference schedule because, you know, they yeah. have to. Okay. But even like a Kentucky or like a North Carolina or a Duke, those teams are playing the other Blue Bloods, uh, you know, in the early going. And you just really don't see that in the college football, obviously. But, uh, yeah, we had the big Gonzaga game this year. And, uh, yeah, Texas beat the shit out of them. They won by 19 points, 93-74. Um, could you have know. been a lot more than that too, and and uh, and they shot the ball. They they, they shot lights out. Um, I'd never seen three point shots dropping like that. Um, like really, it was concerning how many they took. In my opinion, uh, just like I thought I was watching like a 2018 Houston Rockets out there, <laughs> just fucking firing up shots. But like, hey, with, with, and when they're falling, I don't have a problem with it. Oh, know? oh yeah, and I mean, if you make shots like that, you won't lose. Like yeah. that's three, is, three is greater than two. Yeah, like you know, it'll be it'll be a 40 you know year if we can make shots like that every fucking game. Yeah. But it, inevitably, it's that that one game where you struggle with that a team that has good perimeter defense. And um, you know, but but I don't think that is the identity of this team. So I still think it's defense and playing through the posts. We just didn't have to do that as much last time. I mean, Timmy Allen had two points, uh, probably what 
top three in minutes in the game and still impacted the game in several ways beyond scoring. And just those guys like Tyrese Hunter, who had 27 points, uh, Serge Jabari Rice, best name on the team, uh, Brock Cunningham putting in seven right before the half, uh, selling out on every fucking loose ball there is. Uh, getting four fouls. Hey, Brock, I love it. If you they give you they give you six fouls for a reason. Let's see, let's or is it five in college? It's five in college, right? Yeah, it's five hey, in college. He used he used four of them in eleven minutes. You know, it's this team is deep. This team is ten men deep. We got talented freshmen, but we're not we're not counting on these freshmen. We got guys like Marcus Carr, who's been and played for three different teams. He's been there. He's seen everything you can see as, as a college basketball player. Uh, same with Timmy Allen. Like it's this team is uh, built in Chris Beard's, you know, in the in his vision, the way he thinks a fast basketball team should be built. It's year two. The last year was a great year, a great year to build on. But I think this is a year where we can seriously consider the Texas basketball team a national championship contender, or at least a lead eight, final four kind of team. Oh, well, they certainly looked at it, look like it. I mean, I'm, I, you know, struggle this early in the year. Like, is Gonzaga all that good? I know they still have the Drew Timmy guy, but like, there's always, like, each year they've been good like this, you know, competing for national championships, losing national championships to Baylor and shit like that. They still had, like, at least one other badass player. Like, Th that guy will emerge. They get, I'm pretty sure, I don't, I don't know the roster. I, I mean, I, there was a bunch of people here last night. I wasn't looking at names as closely as I might have liked to, but um, I'm sure there'll be a guy that will They had a good player through. named Hickman. He had, like, an afro. Um, he was a good guard, but, like, obviously they had Chet Holmgren last year, you know, second overall pick, and then didn't they have the second overall pick, like, the year prior, that dude who hit the half-court shot? Suggs. Jaylen yeah, Jalen Suggs. Like, you know, there's always two players that are, you know, uh, yeah. very... Yeah, they had Drew Timmy. Um, exactly, yeah, and he was yeah, on all those He's teams. always been that guy, yeah. And is, is he that guy, or is he just, you know, like a stalwart, like a guy Kansas will have, where, oh, yeah, he's he's good, but, you know, he's staying here forever. Harry Ellis. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I mean, I still I still think Gonzaga's probably a top-10 team. Um, it's really too – I mean, Texas, this game could be, mean nothing at the end of the year. You know, these teams could look completely different. But it, it, was, a good, it was good to see – I mean, we got our ass kicked by Gonzaga last year in Spokane. Drew Timmy had 37 points. The fact that we we're able to shut him down, uh, which was my biggest worry, are, are this team's ability to defend the post. I mean, shutting him down for 18 points and nine rebounds. Don't get me wrong. He had like, five turnovers. Yeah. Well, nice. both teams I think played a bit a bit sloppy, uh, at least early for the horns. And yeah. But, um, but him, like he he wasn't in a rhythm, and he's probably, probably how many shots did he take? He got 18 on. Uh, 10 field goal attempts. That's it. Yeah, he had five three five free throws. Okay, so you yeah. know that's how he got there, but he was seven of ten for you know uh, eighteen in thirty two minutes. Yeah, I, I mean it's just probably shutting down his ability to the to have that inside out passing game. I think was probably the biggest thing from what I saw, because you know he he is still he's a great passer facilitator. We saw early he had he had a dime the behind, behind the back. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, yeah, I don't. I don't think we should put too much stock into this game. But it was really, it was really cool to see the Moody Center looked awesome. It looked a lot louder than Texas basketball games usually look. It looked more compact. You could see more of the fans. Uh, I don't know. It's cool. I know you don't like the Moody Center, but I, I feel like that was a good example of why it, it, it was needed over the Irwin Center. Well, uh, in 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 the defense of the Irwin Center, because like. Like that's the thing. Like everybody's just jumped on. The Irwin Center was just terrible. Fuck the Irwin. You know, like they, they just. You know, Texas basketball has always been this good. The Irwin Center has just. You know, that's just. <laughs> like, okay, like they have just scapegoated the shit out of it. It's like, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If uh, Coach Beard had a good basketball team and fucking Gonzaga was coming in, they'd have packed the fucking drum. It still wouldn't be full. I don't know. It I just. I've. I've literally never in my life going or looking on TV seen that place completely full and i know for a fact you haven't either i think i feel like no. i've seen it full it man hasn't. they do you know how many people that north, i've seen north carolina at the fucking drum doesn't dude. matter look at the top where they have Ugh. where they give away all the tickets to elementary schools where they bring and they have like i think that's a really good thing to have you're never going to see a, a whole elementary school at the moody center until they open up those top seats okay well, shay i'm sorry i would rather have a 
a winning environment in a place that gets loud rather than having second graders picking their nose in the nosebleeds. There's going to be those games. There's going to be those games on the schedule that you're just... Well, I think I, I knew, uh, you, you're going to hate this, too. So you realize to get into the corral, the student section... You got to wait. Well, also, you had to go to the first game. You had to go to the second, the HB, HBU game. Yeah, they, yeah, well, you got priority because Carter... Byron, one of our roommates here, he's in law school, and so he has the big ticket. And I came home, he's like, yeah, I was planning on going to the game. I called him to see where my ticket was at, and they're like, yeah, uh, these people get priority. I went to the games, and then you got to sit in a line. You got to get in line two hours before the game starts, and you might get in. Like, why would anybody want to do that? Not, I wouldn't. That's why I think the student section at Texas basketball games and at football games is a little different. It's kind of the nerd. It's a little bit. Yeah, it's I I can remember having the big ticket because I also went to University of Texas, uh, and like there would be some games in basketball where it was just like this fucking line, fuck no, I'm not standing in this. I'd go buy a fucking ticket. Yeah, you know, having tickets, having like like it was no, I'm not I'm not waiting. I'm not gonna miss the opening fucking part of the basketball game to stand in this yeah. fucking line. I, I never once sat in the student section out of Texas. I mean, I didn't go to Texas, but I had student tickets a lot of the times. Well, I sat in the student section a couple times, you know, up top. You know, I never, I, I wasn't a big. There wasn't a big student section, but like, the thing about it is that they act like, oh well, this, the Franker was just terrible because they put the students behind the goals, and it's like, obviously looking at Texas football, you can move a fucking student section. Okay? If they had wanted a corral-like... Yeah, no. No, because... I get that those many, were season tickets. But think how many seats were on the floor at the Irwin Center. Like, at at the Moody Center, it's all stands, pretty much. Yeah, but you know how they, like... Like, the actual stands are closer to the, the actual playing floor. At the, at the Irwin Center... They had probably what six or seven rows of like seats on the floor before you even got to the stands. Yeah, they were they were a couple of rows just flat. So, so hey, yeah. those seats sucked, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I've sat in those a few times. I mean, it's cool to be like close, but you if if you're sitting down and someone's in front of you, there's a good chance you, you can't, can't see them. anything on the floor. Um, but I think that was the issue with putting the student section there because then you have. The people who are paying the most for premium seats with the students behind them, just logistically, I don't think. I'm just saying, I'm just I saying something saying. could have been I worked out. I get what out. you're saying, but the Irwin, dude, that, we've been playing basketball there for 40 fucking years. And I know you're going to disagree with me, but we could not want, never once did we fill that thing to, to the full capacity. And three times out of three to start the Moody Center, it has been full to capacity. I don't think it might not be like that forever, but having 11,000 seats opposed to 18, 19,000, it makes a huge difference when it comes to like sound and how the look and feel of the game when you look around and you see a full arena. Oh, well, I'm fine with them having, I guess, I mean, you know, assuming that, you know, I'm fine with them getting rid of the Frank Irwin, which I'm not with. But um, hey, they might play a reunion game at the Irwin Center. They're gonna get rid of the Frank Irwin Center. <laughs> I, I do have tickets to the game at a, or at least one ticket to the game at fucking uh, Gregory Gym. Uh, oh, for next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, um, that game was. I didn't go last year, but I heard it was really cool. Well, you couldn't get tickets last year unless you were a student. Too, yeah. But this year, because it's like after Thanksgiving, there aren't gonna be anybody there. No, uh, no, no, no. So uh, had they just built a stadium that didn't have all those fucking seats up top, I would be fine with it. Like, oh, like it's it's the fact they send overflow students up top to watch from a goddamn deck and just have thousands of seats that are just closed. Okay, no, you can't. Sit no, here. well, that's my problem. Well, that's my biggest problem. They still they have those seats so they can make it into a venue like the Irwin Center was before. But well, the Irwin Center didn't have the ability beyond pulling down the fucking curtains. That they did that for every women's basketball game, and those games sold the fuck out. Yeah, but. Do you really want to like the look of having curtains in an arena when you're playing? Does that not remind you of like what the fuck it looks like now? They had those big old when you go to the those game. Look a lot better. Why? Because they project fucking uh, because they have projectors it looks a lot on them. Better than a satin curtain <laughs> hanging down from the top of the arena, Shay. Uh, I don't you care. Know. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing, Ty. The whole thing about it is is not it. It has nothing to do with in-game experience, and it has everything to do with how the game looks on TV. 
No, I think it also has to do with that's how it sounds live. That's why it's 270 the, degrees e- of students. Even the announcers last night were like, on TV, were like, I've never seen a Texas basketball look or sound like this. This is like a, a completely different feel and vibe to going to a Texas basketball game. That's Fran Franchilla, who's, what, been doing know, Texas games for 40 years? As long as the Irwin Center's been around, I bet he's been doing fucking Texas games. Like, you got... you. Got, I understand what you're saying, but I think if you looked at it, I think in t- 10 years, you'll be like, yeah, that was a, hey, I'm a, okay. a good decision. I'm okay. Moving. I've moved on. I'm. It's okay that we, you know, uh, made all the moves that we did. I just don't, I think they need to open those fucking curtains and sell those fucking seats. Well, maybe sometimes they will. We'll that, see. Well, I, yeah, I, I for don't, a game like Gonzaga. I don't I think that's the plan, though. I mean, but if there's ever, I don't know, I, fuck, maybe for the high school high school state championships or something. You think we're getting that back? Did they get that back? The high school state championships? It's been in, it's been in San Antonio for like a decade. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the Frank Irwin lost that. Like, it was, you know what it was? It was, a, it was a scheduling conflict with South by Southwest. What, do they play it at the Alamo Dome now? They played at the Alamo Dome. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Yeah. I, get, I mean, I love the Alamo Dome, but. It's, yeah, I ma- it's, imagine making it to the final four as a high schooler and be like, well, "Yeah, we're going down to play in the Alamo Dome, where they do put the—that's where they put the curtain down." Well, that there, there are way too many. Seats. You have to. You, you could, ha- you <laughs> could <laughs> never, you could never sell that out. Um, you know, for anything short of like the Dallas Cowboys coming to fucking town. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I think that's enough on on the Texas basketball. High expectations. We, you know, we can't have too many concrete takeaways from that win. It was, it was big. It looked cool. Um, I, I like the Moody Center, um, but yeah, what's uh, you want to just run down these college football rankings real quick? I know we kind of we kind of went long here on the on the forty acre dash. Do that and then make some picks. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Um, okay, so number one, uh, everyone expected this: Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, they played this week at Kentucky. They beat Mississippi State last week. Uh, probably not much to say about them. They should they should handle Kentucky, a team that lost to Vanderbilt last week. Ohio State, number two. Uh, did they play Northwestern last week? Uh, that last week? Definitely recently. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that, that can, whole division's coming down to Michigan. These, we can go through these rankings, but yeah, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, that one of those teams isn't going to make it, essentially, unless some craziness happens. The winner of that game, what is that, next week? Last week of the season? Last, yeah, next week, I believe. Um, um, they pretty much, I mean, it's going to be the biggest game in college football. Um, following that Tennessee Georgia game, I mean it's two versus three. Yeah, um, and then we got Tennessee coming at number four after the Texas win. We talked about them a lot. And what what the Big Twelve looks like moving forward, so I can move past them. Tennessee uh, at nine and one coming in at number five. You know they they don't really they don't have a chance at the uh, SEC championship unless Georgia loses. Uh, I, I no, I guess they can't make it because Georgia plays a. A non-conference D two team in the last game. Tennessee, right? no, they play Georgia Tech. Tennessee is what you what you call sitting pretty, in the sense that they really don't have any huge games left on the schedule. They can't play in the they can't lose in the SEC championship because they can't play in it. And um, you know whatever is going to happen to them is just going to happen, and there's really nothing else they can do about yeah. it. But all favor is going towards them because. You know, they had a they had a field goal yeah. win I mean, over an Alabama team. They they blew out LSU in Baton Rouge, who's sitting right behind them at eight and two. Uh, LSU beat Alabama. Uh, they lost in a week one game to Florida State that you know people have essentially forgotten at this point, and they are saying if, if LSU can beat Georgia, there's no way you can keep them out of the playoffs. Uh, so they're they're sitting there, USC behind them with what you said before the show. Uh, maybe the best loss out of any of these teams, a one-point uh, way loss at Utah earlier in the season. So I, I don't really see any of these Pac-12 teams being able to make it, but who knows? It would be probably be pretty hard to take a 12-1 and USC Pac-12 champion and not put them in. But one of these, I mean, who would you rather put it? Who, would, who do you think would go in here? Let's just say, let's let me pose a little situation for you. Yeah. Georgia wins, Ohio State wins. <coughs> Excuse me. TCU wins out, wins the Big Twelve, and then you have Tennessee and a Pac-12 champion USC. Who makes it out of those teams? Yeah, I just um, oh, and and it's just 
for fun, let's just say Clemson wins out and wins the ACC. So you have you have three one-loss teams, two of them are conference champions, and Tennessee, uh, a second SEC team. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm not okay. I think Tennessee's a great team. Uh, I think they get a tough draw having played Georgia and, you know, uh, there being one loss between those two schools. And I just think for the – I'm not sure if this is how it will work, but how I think it should work is that Tennessee should ultimately be eliminated um, if if Georgia wins the SEC East. I'm just against – you know, I just think there was a definitive game played between uh, the Georgia Bulldogs and the Tennessee Volunteers. I think Georgia showed without beyond a shadow of a doubt they were the better football team. Yeah, I agree. I don't – you know, I don't encourage – uh, there being any possibility of a rematch of that game because I don't think Tennessee proved within that game that you know they could hang with them, and I think it's just inevitably setting them up for a loss. That being said, I don't think any team like the USC Trojans would do any better against Georgia, but with a one-point road loss to Utah, and if they get, you know, they beat uh, a ranked UCLA team this week, um, I know they, you know, will still play like an Oregon. If they get, a, if they snag a couple of um, uh, ranked matchups here at the end of the year, um, then yeah, uh, especially with Ohio State or Michigan, one of them having to lose, and, I th- and, I, and me viewing that also as an elimination game, no matter what happens uh, in the Big Ten title game. Uh, yes, I think that you know uh, Georgia, the Big Ten champion, whoever that's going to be, as long as they're undefeated. Uh, a TCU as long as they remain undefeated and then I would probably take USC over Tennessee and Clemson, um, and Clemson yes um, based on uh, I think USC um, played a, a stronger schedule than Clemson um, and also I don't think Tennessee uh, what about North Carolina uh, UNC well, who's their one loss to I just see that I just view that as too much movement up the polls um, you know I think that they're just too far down there at the moment. Oh, I don't think they have a chance, but that's just another one-loss team that, I mean, could work themselves in the mix at the end of the year. But I agree with you on the USC thing. Also, because USC is just a, a very large brand that um, yeah, they it's, were... Yeah, it's similar to if Texas Exactly. They would find a way to get them in. Um, yeah, uh, we kind of running short on time here, but you want to you just want to run through your five picks real quick? Which, get, since Corey's not here, just you get five, I get five. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um... Let me see here real quick because uh, I've got them. I just need to look at them. Um, all right. I am taking uh, the Bears uh, plus three uh, against the Falcons. Let me write these down. I am taking uh, Kansas State minus seven and a half at West Virginia. Um, give me... Uh, fuck it. You know, give me the, uh, give me the Patriots minus three uh, against the Jets. And that's three and a half now. Okay. Uh, minus three and a half. Eh. I don't know if I want those odds. You can take three if you want, though. It'll eh. it, it, it literally just changed. Actually, no, it's still three. It's still three. So, yeah. Okay, that. fine. Patriots plus, Patriots minus three. You let me have it. And then um, for that last one, I guess I'm going to take, um, I like that big line, uh, Panthers plus 13. I okay, think, uh, cool. Is that- and I, then I need to give you my over-under, which, um, you know, looking around the league, uh, Rams-Saints at 39. I'm going to take the over. And that will do it for me. Okay, cool. Uh, I got Cowboys minus one and a half. You got All right. That? Um, Indianapolis plus six and a half against the Eagles. All right. Las Vegas plus two and a half against Denver. Vegas at two and a half? Mm-hmm. Plus two and a half? Yes. Nice. And then I'll do Baylor plus two and a half against TCU. That's a really uh, low line. Yeah. I like it, though. Yeah. Uh, Then let's go with my Bobcats. Texas State under 51.5 points against Arkansas State. 
51.5. All right. Well, um, yeah, we'll see how we're doing. Um, still early, four weeks in. Uh, trying to, you know. I'm not doing too hot. Well, you know, it's, you had a rough week last week is all we can really say about it. Outside of that, <laughs> you've, been, you've been pretty, you know, pretty all right. Um, but Corey, anyway, it, Corey's not even here to make his picks. Think about it like that. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. I'm Ty Henderson, Shay Holt. Uh, we are the Lone Star Lowdown. Make sure to uh, connect with us on all of our socials on at Instagram at the Lone Star Lowdown, Twitter at Lone Star LD, TikTok. You know, we're number one in the TikTok and the Lone Star Lowdown. And um, we, well, we didn't do any video this week, but we'll make sure to get some video up on YouTube for y'all soon if y'all like watching and listening that way. Uh, for Ty Henderson and Shay Holt, we are the Lone Star Lowdown. Hook 'em. <laughs>